We're in a series called Made for Monday, and this is part three. I loved last week speaking with uh, ta- uh, t- team teaching with sincerity. That was good. Didn't she do a good job? Yeah, she did so good. Um, appreciate her. I had fun. If you missed it, it was on it was, the, the message was on attitude, and it was really a good message. So go back and listen if you missed it. Uh, I'm going to do a couple of, of review, short review, and uh, talk about why we're talking about Made for Mondays. Because uh, here's the, here's the truth: the majority of us are going to spend the majority of our adult lives in a, in the working environment, in some kind of uh, atmosphere or place that we're we're serving and working. And we said there's some stats that we gave. Um, we said that uh, I'd, I'd get my notes here. Um, we said that's tw- that 12 percent of people actually enjoy their job, all right? They like where they're at. They like what's going on. Um, 64% do not like where they're at or like their job. Like, they feel like they're just going through the motions, kind of sleepwalking, just going through life. Um, and then 24% uh, actually say they hate their job. So 13, 63, and 24% uh, hate their job. And that means that they're actually willing to sabotage the company or other employees because they, they despise it that much. And so the challenge was, in, in what would it look like if, if, as a church if we address Something that's really big in our lives, and that's the workplace. And what happens when faith and, and, and workplace collide? What happens when those two things come together? What would that look like? And so each week we've been kind of taking a different uh, component of it and we're talking about what, what that is. And so the first week I, I uh, taught with Robert, and we talked about what it would look like if we thought differently about the workplace. Because sometimes we think of work just as work. And what if, it, what, what if in the middle of it, no matter how hard your role is or how tough the environment is, it's possible that God has you there, and he believes in you so much that he's put you in that environment so you can make a difference, so you can bring about good, you can bring about life, you can help others know um, something better for their life, know God. And so we said, what do we thought differently about that? And then last week we talked about attitude, and how attitude is this, this thing in our life that we can choose that it positions us either for a positive outcome or for a negative outcome, because an attitude is a, is a position that we take in life. And so are we... Are we positioned for a positive or an out, a negative outcome? And I even asked, uh, what, what, why are you positioned when it comes to Mondays, when it comes to the work? When you show up, how are you positioned yourself? Like, oh, man, i got to be here. I hate it. I really wish it didn't. Or you're thinking, man, today could be a day that I can really make an impact. I can make a difference. I can do something with it. Uh, so today, computer crashes. Everything goes away. And, and Irving, one of our team members, says, Eric, you were made for Sundays. I'm like, thank you, Irving. That is so positive. <laughs> you can't change the circumstances. You can't change what happens. I can't go and fix the computer computer and get it all back to normal, you know, all that work's gone, it's, it's gone, you just got to move forward. So, but he's saying that you have to choose a positive attitude, and I said, yes, you're, I agree. You have to choose to move forward no matter what, um, and that's what I'm choosing to do. So I'm saying, I'm positioning myself that no matter what, I'm going to move forward. Uh, what's really funny is I always have a backup notes, because we got updates, and so that I have notes, so that even if, I, if it doesn't work, I can still look at something and keep moving forward and not get off track. Uh, well, these are my notes, I don't know if you can see that. <laughs> yeah, I can't either. So it printed out my, my backup didn't even work. That's funny, right? And so, um, anyways, um, I, I, that's just funny. So attitude is huge, and and um, hopefully I can model that to you today. Is you know whatever happens, you just move forward, you go forward. Um, I'm I'm really excited about today because I think it's a, it's a message that will help us see maybe a little, something that we've never seen before. Um, it's kind of this idea that you have sometimes you have to step far far away from where you're currently at so that you can see the wider picture. Right, because what happens is you've heard you've heard the saying, uh, you, you miss the forest for the trees. Right, um, you're in this forest, and all you can you get focused on is one little part, but you miss everything else that's going on. Well, sometimes you have to pull far, far back to see that there's a larger story being told, and that your part of it right now might be hard or difficult, or whatever. But it's it's not the end; it's just part of the story. And if you can look further back, you realize, okay, what I do in this moment is really important because it's going to affect the outcome of not just my life, but other people's lives also moving forward. And so we're going to move forward in that. So um, 
That's, that's a review. So attitude is, is really important that we do that. Um, Romans 12, 1 through 2 in the message translation. Um, this is the kind of the anchor scripture we've used for this whole series. It says this. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, your ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, your walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. So stay and pay attention. Look around. Don't just go through the motions. Watch what's taking place. Instead, he says, fix your attention on God. All right? You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you that's always dragging you down to its, its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So Paul is saying, take everything you do and place it before God. Here's the idea for the series. That we're saying, what, what if we looked at work differently? What if we looked Monday through Friday, the work days that we're in? What if we begin to think, like, that's, that's, not, that's not just something I do on the side. That's, that's part of life. That's how God, God wants him to use every area of my life, every aspect, to help bring, move those things of him um, forward and towards towards him because uh, the truth is we can't control what others do we can't control what others say we can't control the circumstances around us but we can always control how we respond in any given circumstance how we view things how we choose to um, have an attitude about it and then also how we even see it in the the, the, the mindset that we go into it um, i give a picture of uh, the first week of this sphere right and in this sphere this is a picture of our lives we're in these spheres um Every given day, we're in a different sphere. That could be the home uh, where you have an influence. You have a sphere of influence where you influence people in your, in your home. It could be at church. It could be at school. And I give a list of all these of church, art, school, home, work, drama, sports, agriculture, sex, labor, medicine. And we said if, if you are moving these things towards the things of God in harmony with God's design, then th- th- those things are good. But if you're moving those things and they're in conflict with God's design, you're moving them away from God, they become evil. And so the way we view things, the way we manage and handle things, we'll either be moving them to the things of God, and that would be good, or we'll take them and do our own thing with it and move it away from, from him. And, and really the, the choice is ours to say, what, what are we going to do with our lives? People that, hearts, people that have their hearts set on God's, what he wants, we move all those things towards him. And we say, God, we want to be partner with you in this life to be able to accomplish your purposes, not just our own purposes. Um, and, 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 but if, if our hearts are set on us, then we begin to move them away. Uh, this is where culture looks at these things and they think, what, what can I get out of this? What, can, what is in it for me? And those a lot of times are in conflict with what God wants. So today, um, I want to share two experiences I had. One was a dream and one was an actual thing that took place. Uh, so two weeks ago, I was on the bike ride uh, that we do every year and raised. Uh, hey, thank you, by the way, too, if you gave. Thank you so much for giving. Uh, we're already up close to $86,000 raised for Bike for Light this year, which is awesome. So, so cool. The second day of the ride, I'm on my bike, and um, I've, I've done this ride for seven years, so I get pretty comfortable. And from the beginning, I've kind of been the video, videographer of the team. I'm always taking pictures and videos and sharing it with the other guys so they can share on social media. And so I get really comfortable. I get to the back of the pack, and I get back there, and I begin to record. Um, and so I was riding next to – I was riding with three other guys, and I was next to my friend Jared, and we're, we're cruising along. Um, I thought we were going like 14, but it turns out we were going 20, 20 miles an hour down, down the side of the road. And uh, we were talking about something, and I, and I said, oh, I, I got a text message. Let me see it. And I, I opened my phone. So recording videos is not bad because I'm, I'm focused on where I'm going, right? I'm not, like, focused on the phone. But text messaging obviously takes your attention away from what you're doing. Uh, who would have thought, right? <laughs> and so I'm trying to find this text, and as I'm doing it, I don't notice I'm drifting off to the side of the road. Not, like, towards traffic, but where the, the, the asphalt ends and there's dirt. 
Typically, it's not a bad thing because so there's dirt, and you can kind of ride in the dirt and get back on, you're fine. Well, in this part of the road, the asphalt ended, and it had a big drop, like, like four inches or so. And so um, as I was doing that, I, I, last minute I saw it, I tried to turn back, like to avoid it. And this moment I turned back, my wheel fell, and so instead of, um, well, it fell, and my wheel just turned. And so I just kind of went back and went <laughs> flying through the air, right, just like that. And uh, hit my knees. My knees, I, I feel good. My, my knee's a little tender still from that. Uh, went to the hospital. Nothing's broken. It's good. I'm, I'm healthy. Um, but I, I slid, and it was my own fault. Here's the thing. I, I lost focus for just just a couple seconds. All it took was a couple seconds. And here's the difference. Usually when I'm in the back recording and stuff like that, I'm, I have a lot of room to maneuver. This time I was next to somebody that didn't have a lot of room. I just drifted for one second and, and found the end of the asphalt and then found my face on the asphalt, right? And so, um, but it was all because I lost focus of what I was doing. Um, and in life, this is what happens to a lot of us. When we're going in a good direction or we're wanting something good in our life, it just takes a moment to lose focus of what's really important, what's, where we're going, to get off course, to find ourselves on our face in these situations. Uh, second experience was this. Uh, two nights ago, I was, I was sleeping and I had a dream. It's one of those dreams you wake up and you think, man, I really, really remember this dream because I think it was significant. Um, and I think it was the dream for today's message is what it was. And so I processed it a little bit for the last couple of days. But here's the dream. All right. I'm, I'm going to I have a meeting with, with a, a, a gentleman and we're going to a, a restaurant that has a buffet. And as we go to this restaurant, um, I say, hey, it's my treat. Thanks for meeting with me. And as soon as I say it's my treat, thanks for meeting with me, the cashier says, that's going to be $74, sir. I'm like, what? I haven't eaten the food yet, and you're asking me to pay $74 for a buffet? Like, what kind of food do you have back there? And this is my thought process, right? So I'm like kind of getting angry before we even start eating. I'm like, what's going on here? And so um, I, I, it turns out it's the only restaurant in my dream. I'm like, all right, it's, it's our only option. Let's just go forward. I already said I'm going to pay, so I'm paying. And so I, we're reluct- uh, reluctantly, I'm, I didn't want to pay, but I'm paying because I feel like you know, I have to now. So I pay, and then we go in, and then we begin to get our plates and look through this buffet. And then I realized why it was sending $4 for two of us to eat because they had everything. You could get lobster, and you can get uh, the Mongolian grill. And there was Indian food, and whatever you wanted, it was there. Like I'm walking around like, like too many options, right? You've been in one of those situations like I don't know what to choose. Everything looks so awesome, so good. So I'm walking through this through through this restaurant with my, my, my plate, and it's, it's kind of empty. I'm putting a little thing, few things on. And I just feel really overwhelmed, like, I don't know what to choose. It all looks so good. And then there's this emotion in me that's kind of like anger. You know when you, when you uh, have to prepare your own food and then somebody cooks it for you? You're, like, thinking, like, why am I paying somebody $74 for me to cook my own food, right? And that's, like, my emotion that's going on. Like, what is going on? And then I would want to get some food. There would be all these – there was just tons of people, and, like, everybody else wanted to eat the buffet too. There's kids, and they're making messes. And uh, there's one moment I wanted to get something, and it was, like, the last last piece was taken and I'm like seriously like I was gonna just get that piece of steak and you just took it so I go to the next table and it's like through my whole dream I'm getting frustrated and angry because I can't get what I want but it's all there but but I want and then my my place filling up what's really interesting is it's kind of like being an overflow and and I'm getting frustrated because I don't have enough um in this moment this this gentleman walks in front of me cuts me off I almost dropped my plate and I'm like sure you're lucky I didn't karate chop you just now and he, and he turns around he's he's my friend his name Danny Ray he's a, about six one or so he's a black belt and and um he turns around and says good thing you didn't karate chop me because I broke your arm and I'm like Danny Ray what are you doing in my dream and I'm like good thing I didn't karate chop because you broke my arm and so in the whole dream I'm just frustrated and I wake up and this is what I think this is life life is kind of like a buffet sometimes and we approach life thinking, I want more and more and more, and don't they know that I'm important? You ever gone, gone to somewhere, and, and they, they don't treat you the way they should, and, and you think to yourself, like, don't, don't, you, don't they know who I am? Like, I am the most important person in this room, people. 
Like, come on, move it, move the line along, right? Somebody cuts you off in traffic. You're like, don't they know who I am? Like, I am important. Who do they think they are? And, and you have these emotions that we battle as human beings of I'm important and they're not. Or maybe not necessarily they're not important, just I'm more important than them. And over and over we think, like, don't they know who I am? They took the last stake. Like, I wanted that stake. And, and we find ourselves in situations where things are going slow, and, and we think, like, our, our timing, our, our thing is more important. And in this dream, that's the emotions I was feeling. It was a very selfish, self-centered, all-about-me emotion and feeling, right? And I woke up, and I thought, man, that is, that is the battle we have as human beings because we feel and feelings aren't bad, but sometimes we let our feelings lead us all over the place. And a lot of times they don't lead us in very good places. And then we have these desires, right? Like we want things. It's a hunger and it's um, appetites that we have for things. And we want those things. And then that drives our decisions. And sometimes we find ourselves in situations because we wanted more of something because it was a desire. And we have, we have this, we're thinking through things. And we think because we thought it, it must be true. And we don't always process our thoughts correctly. And we have this battle within us as a human beings that we have a tendency to make everything about me. You with me? Anybody else have that, that fight sometimes? It's, it's about me. And so we get mad at our spouses or our kids or whatever. Because don't they know I work so hard? Don't they know this stuff? Yada, yada, whatever you're saying. And it's always pointing back to, to me. And the reason I'm so frustrated is because it's about me. See, God knew that we were going to have this tendency as people to want more and more, not be satisfied, not be content, to want more, to make it about us. And so what he did throughout Scripture, over and over, he said, I'm going to give you things to do. I'm going to give you reminders. I'm going to give you tools to break that in your life so that it's not always just about you. Like, he cares for us. He wants us to succeed. But when we place our things over his things or other people's things, we actually place our, ourselves in the place of God. And we become God over our lives. And that's the thing God says if you want to do that, you, you're free to, you're welcome to, but you're not going to like the outcome because we're not, none of us is smart enough or big enough or whatever to be, to play that role ever. And he says, but if you trust me, I'll lead you on this journey and I'll help you have the outcomes that you really want anyways, if you'll just trust me on this journey. So he leads us. And so today I want to talk about that. I want to talk about what, what does that look like in our lives um, for us to move the things in our lives towards the things of God and not towards our own selfish desires and pleasures. Um, and we, in fact, we say this phrase at the Grove a lot. We say, um, we want something for you, not something from you. Like, we mean that from our hearts. Um, at the end of, end of service, we, we always have an opportunity for us giving the offering. And I'll tell guests, hey, thank you for coming. Don't feel any obligation to give in the offering because we want something for you, not something from you. Right? For our team members, that's my heart. I don't want people to serve because I want them to be, because I want something from them, their time or whatever. I actually want them to serve because when we serve, what happens is we take our eyes off of our own pain, our own selfish things, and, and we begin to look at others and we begin to see like, oh, wow, there's something bigger that's going on. There's a bigger story that's going on. Um, so we want something for you, not something from you. Uh, for me, one of the things that helps me is, is I like to think in pictures and I like to think in numbers. Uh, when it comes to percentages, um, and I have this really nice picture for you. I wish you could see it, but who knows where it is in the middle of that computer somewhere. But here's the picture, all right? If you could imagine a, a grid, all right? There's, there's 10 cubes going down this way and 10 going this way. So it's, it's a 10 by 10 grid, okay? You see it? Everywhere, there's 100, 100 little blocks there. Um, I tend to think of life like this. This is my grid. This is, this is my life. This is my plot of land. Um, what am I doing with this plot of land that God has given me? Um, if I'm faithful with it, usually what happens is God gives us more land to oversee and to watch and take care of. 
Um, but this, this little this, this grid that you can see that we're on, what happens a lot of times is we focus on maybe on just on one little grid because we're at work, and that's the, that's the grid, right? We're in a meeting. Uh, somebody just said something to us, and that, that little one little dot is all that we can see, that little cube. But, but we fail to look back and say, okay, this is just one piece of a bigger, bigger picture that's going on, right? There's, there's this big field of my life, and I'm only focused on this one thing. And so today I'm saying what it would it look like if we backed off and said there's something that greater God wants to do. Help us, help, let him help us to see what we don't see and to understand what we don't understand. Um, and so when, when it comes to this field, even one of the things that we do with our lives is, is God is saying, I want you in every area of your life to learn to put me first. I want, I want you to learn to be able to invite me into this process with relationships, with, with finances, um, with these different things. And so today I'm going to give you an illustration in a second. If the guys would come on up and get, get ready to do that. Um, but here's what I want to say about, about this illustration, right? Um, it's, it has to do with tithing and, and money. And the reason that the money is so important to talk about is because it, it, it gets to the heart of who we are very quickly. All right? This is why the Bible talks about money a lot, uh, um, and, because it gets to our heart. And I heard a pastor recently, he challenged me to this. He says, you need a pastor like you parent. All right? So when it comes to my kids... It's very easy for me to tell my kids things they need to do that, that are going to help them to, to be successful in life, right? But sometimes when it comes to parenting, ex, I mean to pastoring, sometimes it's, very, it's difficult when it comes to, the, to the, even the area of money because there's this pressure that I feel um, that, that I don't want to offend guests that come. Now, if you're a part of our church, I, you're not being offended. I know that because you know my heart. You've already seen it. But when there's guests that come and I talk about money, I don't want them to, to assume that the reason I'm talking about money is because I want their money. It has nothing to do with their money. Um, in fact, as I talk about this and you begin to f- think those thoughts, I'm not even talking about giving to our church. I'm just saying you need to learn how to trust God with every part of your life. And money gets to the heart of who we are very quickly because the Bible says, Jesus says, that where our heart is, that's where our treasure will be also. So the things that we value, that, that's where our heart is at. And a lot of times money, it only um, shows and, and exposes what's there already. And so if you're offended when I talk about money, that should be a warning to you that money has a little bit too, hold of a, uh, too tight of a hold on your life. And hopefully this illustration is going to liberate you and free you from that because that's the point of it. Um, we become very consumeristic as, as a society. We consume and we take and we want more and more and more. And the way that we break that in our lives is being generous. So you don't want to be consumer, uh, somebody that's just driven by, by wanting more all the time? Then learn to give. See, because work and life and family, it begins to be about what I can get, what I can get, what I can get. And God is saying, no, your life is not measured by what you get. It's actually measured by what you give. And so, Dave, if you would uh, do me that do me a favor and, and begin to uh, bring that stuff up. So in life, there's a principle in the Bible called the tithe, all right? Tithe means a tenth. Thank you, sir. A tithe just means a tenth. And really the principle is this. It's the first fruit, all right? So... If we were living back in the agriculture days, and this was my, my field that I'm harvesting, and I harvested um, a whole bunch of oranges. In fact, there's 10 oranges, right? A tithe would say, God, I'm going to bring you the first bag of oranges out of the 10 that I got. I'm going to give you the first. And so I say, this is yours. You allow me to use the rest. And then if I harvest some pineapples, anybody like some pineapples out there? Yeah, go long. All right, woo. Okay. Some pineapples. I would bring God the first of the 10 pineapples. Some bananas. All right, that, that one's kind of bruised. I'll give him better, God, better bananas here. I'm going to give God the first bunch of bananas. They're called bunches, right? I call it something else for the team service. They all laughed at me. So um, the first bunch of bananas, they're good bananas. I'm going to give them the best. Oh, yes, oh, yes, a mango. Not quite ripe yet. It's just kind of really green. Um, but we've got a mango here. So if God gives me 10 mangoes, I'm going to give him one. 
This is the idea of the tithe, and it's, the principle really is the first fruit. I'm going to give him the first whatever he gives. Um, what else you guys got for me there? Oh, yes, nectarine or peaches, something like that. Um, he gives me ten. I'm going to bring one and say, God, this is yours. Um, I bring it to you out of a joyful heart because you've, you've blessed me with, with a, a whole bunch of stuff, an abundance of things. Looks like we're missing some fruit. Just bring it all up as you come up to you. Oh, my favorite, my favorite. God gives you 10 avocados. What are you going to do? You're going to give him, you're going to keep this one because you like them so much. Nope, God, I'm going to keep this. My avocado. So I made for Monday avocado right there. And whatever God gives, oh, this is a New Mexico flair, right? God gives you 10 pieces of green chili. You bring him the first piece of green chili. That's a good piece there. You know, you're in New Mexico and you can smell that in the air and you know it's uh, fall, right? And so whatever he brings you, you give him that first, that first part, the first tenth. And it's the first fruit. And the reason it's the first fruit, and apple, apple's good. The reason it's the first fruit is because it's a faith statement. Um, when you give him the first of something, you don't know what's going to happen with the other 90. Um, but what happens a lot of times, people tend to say, well, I'll just give God whatever left over. And then the way we live in our culture is we tend to use it all and we don't have leftovers. And then we're like, well, I guess I don't really give God anything. Um, and the truth is, oh, we got, we got a kiwi and we got a lime here. Um, so the first of whatever he gives, you come and you bring it. And it's a, it's a tenth of what he's, what, what he's given us to manage. And the Bible worldview is this, all right? This, all that I'm saying, you know, the 90%, the 10%, this doesn't belong to me anyways. It's all God's. Everything belongs to God. So a steward, a, a Christian worldview would say, oh, we got a cucumber to make some pickles or whatever you make with cucumbers. Is there something else you make with cucumbers? Um, salad? Somebody wants a salad. All right, I'm going to eat the salad later. Um, so this fruit, it's, it's, you're saying I'm going to manage what he's put in my, my hands because it's, it's all his anyways. And a good manager, a good steward is always given more responsibility when they manage well. But here's the problem. A lot of times we, we tend to think, well, no, no, I, I, can't, I can't give this away because I need it. I need more. And Dave Ramsey says this about, about the U.S. and about America. He says, you don't even need a miracle when it comes to finances in America. All you have to do is learn how to manage what you've been given. That's all you have to do, learn to manage. It's a management issue, not, not a, a lack of resource issue. It's a management issue. And because we don't manage well, that's when we get ourselves into debt and into trouble financially because we haven't done it well. But the whole point of this is this, is God is saying, if you will put me first in your giving, I'm going to do some amazing things with the rest of that. Like, I'm, I'm going to actually help you be successful in the other part of it. Uh, I'm going to be, in fact, this is what it says in Malachi. Let me read this, the scripture that has the promise for us. Uh, in Malachi, it's the last book in the Old Testament, right before the New Testament. Malachi 3, 7 through 12, uh, God says this. He says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? And then God responds and says, well, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what ways have we robbed you, God? And he says, in these offering, in these tithes, and in the offerings, you were cursed with the curse where you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord, if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor the vine will fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says God. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you are a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So Malachi, God is saying this. He's saying, if you will trust me by putting me first, see that I'll open up, I'll open up windows and pour more blessings on you. But not just that. I'm going to begin to protect the other 90%. And 
And here's the thing. If, if you ask anybody in this church has been, that said, I'm going to put God first in my tithes, tithes and in my finances, they'll tell you this. I don't really know how this all works, but it always works. You know, growing up, um, one of the things my parents taught me, well, this is, this is a principle that you put God first in, in the tithe. You say, God, this is the tenth I give to you, and I'm going to trust you that we'll have more than enough. And we've always had more than enough. And then, so he says tithes and offerings. A tithe is a tenth. That's just us being faithful, saying, God, we're putting you first. All right? That breaks, that breaks greed. That breaks materialism in our, in our lives because it's no longer about us holding on to more, but it's saying, how can I use what God's given me to, to do good in this world? And then we, we give that to God. And then there's, in, in Leviticus, he says, whenever you have your fields and you're farming and you're, you're, you're harvesting your, your, your crops, he says, leave the edges, the corners, for the poor and for the foreigners. So God says, hey, the tithe is great. Be faithful, but let's go beyond that. Let's be generous with our lives. Let's leave the edges for those that need it the most. And so what he's saying is learn to live a life where you don't have to consume everything, but you're saying, how can I be generous? So as a church, and, and me as a pastor personally, we, we model this as, as, as our, for our family and for our church. So for us, this is the first thing we give. We give a tithe. We teach our kids. Um, this, so, so this summer, they wanted to buy a Nintendo Switch. So they worked hard. They saved money. They've been saving money for a while. And, but we teach them, you, whenever you earn money, whatever comes, you always put God first and you give them that tithe. Um, and then he, he'll take care of you. He'll bless you. And, and for our church, when you give online or when you give an envelope, put your name. At the end of the year, we'll, sometimes throughout the year, we'll send you letters just saying thanks for your generosity. And then for tax purposes, we'll send you a letter for that. My favorite letter to send out every year is to my kids because they're saying, hey, we're putting God first in, in the money that, that we've been given as gifts or work or whatever. Because we're teaching them that. Uh, because we know if they do this, God blesses this. And so their Nintendo Switch because they put God first, this thing is going to last a long time. If they're, if they're good with it, obviously they can't be dumb and break it. But it's going to last a long time because God's going to bless it and protect it and give them favor with it. Does that make sense? That's what God does. So then as a family, we said, okay, so we, we're faithful in this. What can we do to help others? So then an opportunity came along, and we began to sponsor one of our corners because um, we think in percentages. So 10% there, and we thought, what, what if we were able to be generous by 1%? So we began to sponsor a kid years ago in, in Ethiopia uh, through Compassion International. And then another opportunity came up, and we were able to sponsor three kids in Haiti. So another one of our corners, we're saying, how can we give what we get so we can help others as so we sponsor kids in Haiti? And then we have part of our church, we have this, part of our giving is kingdom builders. It's above and beyond the tithe that we say we want to be generous. So one of our corners is kingdom builders. We give that. And then another, our other corner, and so we've, we've now grown to 4% on top of our tithe. So we're giving 14% away, right? So this is part of our culture of our, of our family. And so we're saying what, this corner, we're going to look for opportunities to give to missions to help raise. So bike for a light, things like that. We're doing good things. And what's happening is we're trying to get our heart to be generous and open up. And we're trying to teach our kids, hey, this is not all for us to be like this, right? More and more and more. It's saying, God's blessed us. How can we help others know him? How can we do this? So as a church, we practice the exact same thing. So today, at the end of service, buckets will pass. People will give them the offering. 10% of whatever comes in is going to go out. We're going to give it and say, God, we want to use this to start churches. We want to use this to help missionaries to, to accomplish what they need to accomplish. And then we have kingdom builders, and we say, and then the edges, we're going to look for opportunities to do good in our community. We're going to feed where we can feed. We're going to do projects where we can do projects. We're going to look for different opportunities to, to, to do more, more good, to build the kingdom. And so the church, we've even instructed ourselves like this to say, it's not about what we can get, but it's what we can give to others. And this is the worldview that God wants us to have because what happens is this, this breaks the hold of money and possessions in our lives. Because now all of a sudden it's not about me. In fact, we're on the bike ride. I'm right next to another pastor and we're talking. 
about sacrifice, and, and we're, we're honored that people in our churches and our communities would, would come alongside of us. And as we're talking, I said, you know what? I think when we get to heaven, I'm not going to say, like, like, man, I wish I would have saved that money and built a bigger house. I wish I'd have got a nicer whatever. You know, we fill in the blank. I wish I'd have had more of that. I'm pretty sure when we get to heaven, what we're going to say is, man, I wish I'd have sold it all and gave it all away so more people could find God. I guarantee that's what we're going to say in heaven. And so, Because I know that. I'm trying to break this in my life so that I'm saying, God, how can I give more and more and more and more to help people know your plans and your purposes? Because it's not about me. It's not about me. How can I do that? And so in our lives, when we, when we live this way, you know what happens? People want to be around us. And so I'm talking money, but this, isn't, this is a, a mindset, right? It's not just money. It's with our time. It's with the talents that we have. And honestly, if you're going to give anything away, your time is the most precious thing you can give away. Because money, you can always make more money. Time, you can never get time back. So when you give 10 minutes, 20 minutes to, to tutor somebody or to, to help somebody serve somebody, you're never getting that back. It's, it's giving it away to help others. And so, so your time, your, your treasure, your talents, um, those things, when we begin to give them away, we, we, what we're saying is this life is not about me. There's something more here. And in fact, the reason God asks us to do this because he's saying we're made in his image, we're made like him, and what does God do? He's a generous God who gives. One of the most popular verses in the Bible says that God loved the world so much that he, what? He's a giver. He's a generous person. So at work, when you have a worldview of giving and not just taking, you're that person that's looking around thinking, how can I help others? And you know who, who we want to be around all the time? People like that because they're life-giving. They're not just saying, hey, how can I take and take from you? But what can I do to help you? What if you went to work and you showed up instead of saying, man, how can I get everything out of this for myself? You'd be able to look around and say, man, how can I share? What can I do to help others? I have this knowledge. What if I pass it on to three other people that can do it? Because here's what happens. We scarcity mindset thinks, no, no, if I share what I have and what I know, then they're going to know and then I'm not going to be as valuable. That's not true. That, that, that's the horrible way to think. It's a mindset of thinking there's not enough. Like I need to hoard and hold on to this. But a, but a generous mindset is going to say, if I help three others and they figure out, they become like me, and they help another three others, well, we just multiply what we can do as, as a company or as an organization because now we've grown our ability to help others. What kind of person would you want to be around? The person who's just like, no, no, just me. I have to know it all. I have to have it all. Or the one that's saying, how can I help a lot of other people? So this is the strategy of the Grove. The Grove is this, that we would get people to know Jesus, right? We know, they know God, his plans for their life. But the end goal is so they would make a difference with their lives. If you know what we do every single Sunday, we're trying to get you to a place where you live that you're making a difference in other people's lives. Because when you do that, you know what happens? You no longer are focused on your phone texting, falling yourself into the side of the road, falling on the floor. You're now looking around saying there's something else going on. You're no longer focused on the pain of your life because we have pain, right? Like this hurts so bad, what they did to me. You don't have time for that because you're looking around like who needs to be rescued? Like who needs help? And then this stuff, God will work it and he'll heal it. That's important. I'm not saying to ignore that. But if you look around, you begin to take your eyes off of yourself. You begin to look around. And the Bible says those are the kind of people that God wants to partner with, the generous people. In fact, he says in Proverbs, those that water others are them themselves refreshed. When you take care of others, when you help others, you will be taking care of yourself. Uh, Jesus said, he said, um, he's a, he, the epitome of, of giving it all. He gave everything he had, his life. And this is what he said. He says, no, they don't take my life. I give it willingly. Like, they're not killing me. Like, I'm actually laying it down as a sacrifice. I am giving so others can get something. There's a big difference in our mind, right? When from get, get, get to give, 
and be generous and, and, and give as much as I can. In fact, uh, another person in the New Testament that I think is, is great is Paul. Uh, we talked last week about um, how he said we have to have the same attitude and mindset that Christ has, right? Uh, that, that right before he gets to that part, he actually says some other things about our, our mindset and how we approach life. In, in Philippians uh, 2, 3 through 5, he says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Man, that's so good right there. Just hang out right there. Take an interest in, in, in others also. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So he's saying here's the bigger picture. Don't miss it. Life is not just about you. Don't, 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 don't get confused with everything is me, me, me. It's to help others. Don't be selfish. Give away. Learn to be generous. And then the, towards the end of the book in Philippians, he wrote this in prison, his happiest letter he wrote. And the place you would think, like, if you're in work and you're that percentage that doesn't like work, you know, sometimes work feels like a prison, right? You're just, like, waiting for your sentence to be done, 25 years, 30 years. So you would relate to Paul. Paul's in prison, right? So you, in those moments, you might be like, okay, this really feels like prison. This is what he says. He says, I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. He's in prison, right? He doesn't have a lot. I've learned to be content with whatever I have. I know how, how to live on almost nothing, and I know how to live with everything. I have learned the secret. Whenever something says secret, you should lean in. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or an empty stomach, whether with plenty or with little. And then he gives us the secret to living content life. This is found in Philippians um, 4, 413. 11 through 13 is what I just read. Um, and he says, here's the secret of being content in life. Anybody want to know the secret? He says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So he's saying, I can do everything through Christ. Another translation says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So Paul is saying, all right, the reason I can do all this is not because of my own good and what I have. It's because God has given me strength. When you live a life like this with open hands and you say, God, it's all yours. I'm going to put you first in everything I do, whether that's my time or my finances, my life, my talents. I'm going to put you first. What we're saying is, God, I'm going to trust you for the outcome in my life. And I'm going to be generous, and I'm going to be like you, and I'm going to give away what I can give away, and I can, I'm going to share what, what I have. And Paul is saying, here's the secret to being content with things, is that Christ gives us what we need so that we can then do accomplish what he has. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Who's given the strength? God has given us the strength to accomplish his purposes. So God's a generous God who gives, and then why would we be the people that now hold on to it and say, oh, you gave me that, I'm not going to give it away. It's like, no, no. You pass it on. It flows through you. It comes, it helps you. And Paul was that kind of person. He says, guys, you can't, the, the, the people that wanted Paul to be quiet couldn't beat him. Why? Because he says, it doesn't matter what you do. You kill me, I'm going to heaven. It's going to be awesome. I stay alive, all right. I can preach to more people and help, help them find Jesus and help them find the good news and find freedom. Okay, put me in prison. I'm going to write some books to these different churches so I can encourage them. You can't beat Paul because he's saying, God, my life is yours to live. Help me to do this. So at work on Monday, are you living like that? Are you, are you going to work saying, all right, whatever comes my way, God, I know I can do all things through you who's going to give me the strength for this day. Because sometimes Mondays are hard, right? So give me the strength to do that. Sometimes Tuesdays are hard, wherever it is. And, and, and he's inviting us to, to follow his lead. Um, Robert Morris, a pastor in Texas, he says it like this. We believe that we're, head, we're human beings having a spiritual experience. But in truth, we are spirits having a human experience. Big picture view is saying life, earth, it's one of the cubes in the story. It's not the whole grid. 
You're only one little thing. Don't let the one grid here on earth mess up the rest of the grid for you. He's saying it's a bigger picture. We're not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spirits just having a human spirit experience for a few years, 80 years or so, right? Don't miss it. Um, Churchill says it like this. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. It's about using our life to make a difference in the others. I heard a story about a man. He's telling his son, he says, son, um, there's a fight going on inside of me. Um, It's a terrible fight between two wolves. One wolf is evil, and and he has anger and and envy and sorrow and regret and greed and arrogance and self-pity and guilt and resentment and inferiority and lies and false pride and ego. But the other wolf is good. The other wolf, he's joy and peace and love and hope and humility and serenity and kindness and benevolence, empathy and generosity and truth and compassion and faith. And son, the same fight that's in me is inside of you. And the son thinks about it for a while and he says, "Um, well, dad, which wolf is going to win? And the father responds by saying, the one you feed. The one you feed. Our culture is saying, feed yourself. Hold it. Take it more, more, more. And God is saying, no. That's only going to make you selfish and self-centered and a person nobody wants to be around. I'm saying give and be generous. Feed that. Learn to say, God, I trust you with everything that I have. I'll learn to do this. Um, when it comes to being a, the big picture, you know, you, get, you, get, you lose focus and you find yourselves in places you don't like. Uh, if I lose focus on, on a given day, I can get a bad attitude very quickly. If I lose focus, I can miss opportunities. If I lose focus, um, I'm just not fun to be around at times, right, because we lose focus. Well, sometimes we need things in our lives to be reminders, like, like mugs that say made for Mondays that we can drink coffee from, right? right? So we, we could drink that coffee and be like, I'm made for this. Like, I, I can make, get through this day. We, have, we get The tithe, that's a reminder God puts in our lives so we can say, God, this is me putting you first every single month or week or however you get paid and saying, God, I want to do that. When we serve, we give our time, right? This is me putting you in my, my life to serve others. Well, one thing that, that helps me sometimes is to say, what if I step back from my life and begin to look at the bigger picture? So I was given this great book. It's called Imagine Heaven by John Burke. He's a, he's a pastor in Texas who, who studied all these near-death experiences and compiled them. And uh, it's fascinating. I, I've been enjoying reading this book. Um, and in this, in this book, he tells a story of a professor who's an avowed atheist. And this professor doesn't want nothing to do with God. He's, in, he's in, on a trip overseas. Uh, he gets sick. Something in his stomach is... Per, per, um, whatever they call that, like the, the dots, what's that called? Uh, perforated? Is that right? Yeah, perforated. And, and he's only supposed to live for five hours, and he, he has this near-death experience, and they can't get to him. And in, the, in his near, when he dies for that, few, for that, that short while, he, he visits hell, has this experience in hell, which is a fascinating chapter. And then the next chapter is, is called The Life Review. And so from hell, he's, he's rescued by Jesus. He goes to, to this life review, and, and he says he's with Jesus and all his angels, and they're reviewing his life. And all the things that he thought were so important didn't matter at all. And the things that he really didn't pay attention to were the most important. Those were people around him. And I, I wanted to read a couple of things that he says because I thought it was so great. Uh, in his life review, he's, he's, he's looking at his memories of, of, of his growing up, his childhood with his father, not a, good, not a good relationship, not a good relationship with his mom. And he said this. He says um, he was very rebellious and cold-hearted towards, towards dad. And he said, um, so the thing is that I, I had seen in my life where I was the victim and everybody else was the bad guys. I came to find out that it was a two-way street. We were both playing this game. So he said, I, I thought my whole life it was all about me being the victim and everybody else was bad. But it turns out that I had a choice in all this. And he talks about this for a while. And he says that they begin to review these things. And he thought he was supposed to be the, the biggest, baddest bear in the woods, right? He was supposed to be impressive with all of his, his, his accomplishments. 
and, and they begin to review his life, and they get to this point where he was the most, the parts he was most proud of. He won an award for being con- the Kentucky Artist of the Year, all right? And he gets to this point where he gets, he gets a big banquet in his honor and a lot of money, cash prizes. And when he gets to this point, they skip it. And he's like, well, no, no, wait, Jesus, like, you skipped the most important part of my life. He's like, no, no, that didn't matter at all. What I want you to see is how you treated the students and how you treated your kids and how you treated your wife because everything you did had an impact on them. And he said what he realized is everything was all about him. And what's, what's really cool is when he, he, he lives and he comes back, he, he, he leaves his tenure as a professor and he becomes a pastor. It was such a profound impact on his life because what happened was he stepped away from his life and said, wow, I see that there's something bigger going on. And even though on a Monday it seems like this is so, so important, in 70 years, in, in a thousand years, in eternity, it's like that was not a big deal at all. There's something bigger going on. And so he changed his whole life because I realized my relationship with my kids was more important than my, my, my whatever I earned, whatever I won, whatever awards, because those didn't matter. And so the whole review, and if you read the book over and over, that's what they kept saying is these reviews had nothing to do with the accomplishments and how much possessions you had because you can't take it with you to heaven anyways. But it was about all the, the relationships you had, the things you did with your life that made a difference and an impact. Why? Because God is a generous God. He's saying what I measure is how we give and how we use our lives to help others. Don't miss what's in front of you by focusing on the wrong things. So really what has to happen is you have to choose to be a giver. And we have to move from every man for himself to this place where we say every soul matters. It's not just about what I can get, but it's about what I can give, who I can help on this journey. So today, this is my challenge. You were made for Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays. You were made to be a parent and a father or a mother. You were made to be a sister and a brother. You were made for all these things. What are you doing with it? Is it just all about me and how I can feel good and what I can do with it? Or are you looking around saying, how can I use my life to make a difference? Even when you're in pain, even when you have things going on in your life, if you pick your eyes up off yourself and begin to look around, you'll begin to realize, wow, other people have worse, are worse off than I am. Maybe I should start helping them. See, when, when you're in a situation, emergency situation, you don't have time to look down and think like, like, man, I get to take care of this. It's like, who can I save right now? Who can I help? Those are the people people want to be around. So I would encourage you to be that person at work. Be that person at home. The people that others want to be around because they're saying, I want to live my life with open hands, with open arms. Um, today as we end service, one of the things that I want to do is first choose to be a giver of your time, your talents, your treasure, all those things. But just choose to say, God, I'm going to give it all to you. I'm going to trust you, whatever you want to send, send my way. Um, but what I want to do is end the service. I want to give an opportunity for those in this room that, say, that would say, okay, can I be honest? I've never lived that way my whole life. It's always been about me, me, me. Um, and today, really, the message is for you to say this. Would you just trust God with your life and say, I want to live completely different than that? If my mindset has all been about me, now God is saying, let me change your mindset to say, how can I be generous with my life and help others? Because when you do that, that's when you really begin living. And so today, if you're here today, maybe you've strayed away from that mindset of saying, I want to be generous with my life, I want to be a life-giving person, and you've kind of become the person that just sucks and takes and is always causing issues and, and just doing your own thing. Well, today that can change. It's a choice. And if you're here today, I would love to help you take that first step towards Christ saying, I want to put you first. God, I want to start a relationship with you so you can lead me on this journey so I don't miss out on the life you have for me. Do me a favor. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads today as we wrap up our service? Um, if that's you, I'm going to give an opportunity for you to pray a prayer with me. And 
I'm not going to call you to the front, just right in your seat. I'll lead you in a prayer. But if that's you today, you would say, I'm going to be honest. I, I need God in my life because I am missing it. And I am, I am distracted. I've lost focus. I've got off track. But I don't want to miss out on the life that God has for me. If that's you today, would you do me a favor? Let me know you're here by just lifting your hand, saying, God, I need God's help. Awesome. See your hands. Anybody else? God's looking for honesty. He's not looking for perfection. He knows we're not perfect. He knows you're not perfect. He knows I'm not perfect. But he's looking for those people that say, I will trust you. I'll put you first. Awesome. For all you that raise your hand, it's a great decision. It takes humility. It takes us saying we need something more, God, in our lives. If you raise, raise your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? And if you're a Christian or Christ follower in this room, would you pray with us so they're not praying alone? Just say this prayer today. Say, say God, today I need your help. I acknowledge and admit my mistakes, my sins, my failures. I've got off track. But today, I want to get back on track. I want to follow your lead. I want to be generous with my life. I believe I can do this because Christ showed us a better way. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross in my place so I could have life. Today I put my trust in you. Come in my life and lead me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate those that praise that raise their hand and pray that prayer.